I'm so thrilled to be here uh, with each of you. Uh, today I mentioned, uh, of course, the, uh, the great president of this school. We honor uh, Dr. Kothar and, um, and Sister Russell. Where would we be without Sister Russell around here? And um, she just keeps an eye on everything and everybody, and I appreciate it very, very much in her spirit, her diligence. And uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been so honored to be with these speakers. Brother Dennis did an outstanding job today. And uh, I, it was revelatory. It was insightful. And, and Dr. Wilson, I have just so enjoyed the ministry of Dr. Wilson and enjoy his books. And then my friend, Brother Stan Gleason, wow, I'm just, I'm thrilled. And I'm thrilled to see he puts what he writes and preaches into action. And uh, he writes from where he is and speaks from where he is, and I really, really love that. I, I, I want to honor David Molina as well. He has been the guy reaching out to me. Thank you, Brother Molina, for all your hard work. And... Uh, and those who've kept an eye on me this week, just make sure I show up where I'm supposed to show up. And because uh, I do get distracted, too. And uh, Brother Landon Williams, Brother Noah Moran, and then I appreciate Brother Logan Oliver for the work that he does. I, um, if you don't mind, I, I'm going to lapse into my native mode. Is that all right? You say, well, we don't know, Brother Gurley. We don't know what your native mode is. And a lot of people, I, I think, um, we confuse skills with giftings. And I've acquired a lot of skills in my life. But it's really not my natural gifting. And I'm going to slip into my gifting tonight. And when I do, I promise you, uh, they call me Old Yeller at our church, and uh, I promise you I may do a little yelling. And when I get into my native mode, I'm really going to sort of lose you. Uh, you will grow strangely dim when I get into my native mode. Right now I see your faces. I see, I see your reactions. But when I get in my native mode, I just completely tune into what I'm sensing in the spirit. And I just share what I feel the Holy Ghost would have. Is that all right? You heard me teach today. And uh, tonight I, I slip into my native mode of meddling. And that's, uh, that's not really it. But I want to talk vision tonight. I'm going to use the prophets and the poets of old. Um, I'll probably mention some scientists and science fiction writers I'll probably settle in on Jeremiah. I say probably because I really don't know where I go when I get lost doing this. And I do have a clock, and it means very little. Or at least that's what my kids say. Um, I want to paint tomorrow for you, can I? That's what I want to do. It was a century ago that H.G. Wells wrote a short story called Country of the Blind. It was never as famous as his later works, Time Machine, War of the Worlds, Invisible Man, First Man on the Moon. It was just a short story that he described a man named Nunez who was determined to climb a certain peak in Ecuador. And while climbing, he slipped 
and he stumbled and he fell into a deep rift that led to a valley that had been cut off from the outside world by an earthquake. It was a place occupied with people who because of a sickness generations prior, everyone in the valley had lost their sight and now no one knew anything about sight. They lived in the land of the darkness, or as the title of the story so says, they lived in the country of the blind. And the people in that strange world awakened at sunset, worked through the night, and when the uncomfortable sun began to arise, they went into their grottos and caves and they fell asleep. They convinced Nunez that there was no way to escape. He tried to accommodate. He tried to acclimate. He tried to settle into their world. They were very suspicious of him because he always talked about the things that he could see and they had never seen. He fell in love with a young lady in the village and before they could marry, the villagers insisted that his eyes were diseased because he saw things that were not from their perspective and therefore they had to be removed. And on the morning of the day that his eyes were to be removed, while the village went to sleep, Nunez went somewhere to think. And H.G. Wells in his picturesque language said it like this, he had fully meant to go to a lonely place where the meadows were beautiful with white narcissus and there remain until the hour of sacrifice should come. But as he walked, he lifted up his eyes and he saw the morning, the morning like an angel in golden armor marching down the hills. It seemed to him that before this splendor, he and this blind world in the valley and his love and all were no more than a pit of sin. He did not turn aside as he meant to, but he went on and he went on into the light. I believe now as never before that every leader had better get blinded by the light and get and quit being focused on the night around us. That we need to lift our eyes on the horizon. Would you stand right now? And I just want us to lift up our voices and pray. And I want us to ask God to touch our sight right now. That we could see what the Lord would have us to see in this place. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this right now. Oh, Lord, let scales drop from our eyes, God. Let us be blinded, Lord. Let us be blinded by hope and possibility. Lord, let us not be tainted by the world around us, oh God. But God, would you help us to lift up our eyes to the horizon and see that greater are they that are with us than they that are against us, oh Lord. That you have given us the resources and the wherewithal to triumph over anything that comes against us. That greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world.
world, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Uh, I pray right now, God, I pray for a provision to be made in the spirit realm, Lord. Uh, I pray for every blessing on heaven's shelves uh, to be tipped right now, God, uh, and to spill out, Lord, as jewels from another world, God, uh, on each and every soul in this building right now, God. Uh, let gifts and talents and callings and abilities and dormant seeds of the kingdom be called back to life uh, in your presence, O oh Lord. Uh, I pray that dreams are resurrected in this building. I pray that callings are dusted off, God. Uh, I pray that long-standing chronic needs and prayer requests be answered in this building, and I give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, I declare it, Lord. I decree it by your word, Lord, uh, by the authority of the blood of the Lamb, uh, by the cross. Uh, I claim it right now, God. Uh, I claim it in the mighty name of Jesus. Put your hands together and just praise him right now. Would you do that? Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. You may be seated. William Blake is one of my favorite poets. His poem, Jerusalem, is perhaps one of the most moving of all. And did those feet in ancient times walk upon England's mountain greens? And was the holy lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? And then you, you may recognize these lines. Bring me my bow of burning gold. Bring me my arrows of desire. Bring me my spear, O clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. He was not simply a poet. He was a visionary. It was in a letter to a friend, William Blake wrote these words, I have a thousand and ten thousand things to say to you. My heart is full of futurity. Such was the spokesperson of the Romantic era. You and I did not choose this age. It's like a prearranged marriage. It was chosen for us. David served his generation. We've got to serve this generation. But to serve it best, we must prove willing sometimes to lay aside the hard science of leadership for the soft art of visioneering and train our eyes on a horizon and say, I will not let go until I see that come to pass. And it's going to happen. There needs to be a grit and a resilience and an anti-fragile mindset that gets a hold of us and say, God, you wouldn't have shown it to me if you didn't want to reveal this in my life. I believe you're going to do this, Lord. I believe that there are promises and a thousand promises in this building. I believe already in the short history of meeting in this chapel room that there is a residue of glory all over this place right now. I believe that there are gifts and callings that are in this house. Uh, I believe that clinging to the very atmosphere right here are so many promises. It's like a canopy of clouds coming down above us right now filled with the promises of God. And all the Lord is waiting for is 
someone with the lightning rod of faith to reach up into those clouds and say, here, God, me, Lord, now. I'm not waiting for a more convenient season. I'm not waiting till I'm a fourth year student. I'm not waiting until I have a certain amount of money in the bank. I'm not waiting until everything is right. He that observeth the wind and the clouds will never sow. I'm not waiting for an outside. I love, I love the story of Isaac in Isaac 26. You know, Abram's name was changed to Abraham. And then his grandson's name, Jacob, was changed to Israel. But the Bible says that Isaac, Yitzhak, laughter, was never changed because Isaac was tested one time and he passed the test. And the test was in Isaac, uh, it was in Genesis 26 when he was packing up his bags, getting ready to what to do what daddy had always done, run to Egypt in a time of famine. But God talked to Isaac and he said, no, 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 no. I don't want you going to Egypt. I'm about to break this model and I'm about to break this mold. Uh, I want you, the faith has no grandchildren. You got to get this thing for yourself. And Isaac, I want you to get it for yourself right now. I'm telling you to stay in the land. Stay in this drought-stricken, famine-stricken land where the bony clutches of famine and hunger have gripped this civilization because you are here for a purpose. I'm going to show my glory through you. What God didn't tell Isaac uh, was to do what he did. He went into the barn and he took his seed corn, that which he would naturally sow. He went into the barn, he got his seed corn, and he started walking through drought-stricken fields uh, on ground that looked like crocodile skin. And laughter began to sow the seeds of tomorrow. And laughter went through a drought in the face of the enemy. They must have laughed at him. But wouldn't you know it, a few months later, he reaped 100-fold. This is what the Holy Ghost is telling me. The Holy Ghost is telling me it's not only not time to do the best of things in the worst of times. It is time to cast our bread on the water. It is time to release our fears uh, into his hand. It is time to say, Lord, I see something. I see a glimmer of hope on the horizon. I see, God, that you're going to take my leadership, Lord, uh, and you are going to let me lead. I sense, Lord, there's a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day over me, Lord, and you're going before me. Just as surely as Joseph was in Egypt already 21 years before the famine, there is the provenient grace of God that the Lord is moving before us. I'm not worried about Saturday. I'm not worried about Sunday. I'm not worried about December. I'm not worried about January of next year because there is no day that I move into that he hasn't already gotten there first. Joseph was already there. Uh, Joseph, the Jesus of the Old Testament, was already in my tomorrow, getting ready to make a way so that Judah would not die, so that Israel would not die, that many would be saved alive. I feel in the Holy Ghost. I can sense it in my spirit that we are about to see the miraculous like we've never seen before. I believe in my spirit uh, that we are about to see something unfold uh, before us. uh, That that dream you've you've clung to, that that hope uh, that you 
you've cherished, uh, the thing that is deep inside of your chest that you've never vocalized, you've never given voice, uh, that the Lord is saying, I see it and it's coming. It is on the horizon. That is what faith does. Faith says, I am not looking at the circumstances. Uh, I'm lifting up my eyes and I see a field whitened already under harvest. Uh, I see the promise uh, is unfolding. Uh, I, I can't say, I can't say that I'm speaking uh, like a prophetic ministry of old, uh, that I've donned the hair shirt. Uh, I, I, I'm not into that. But the prophet of old was called the seer and called the oracle. He saw and he shared what he saw. He was the mouthpiece of it. At times in Bible, it's called the burden, the masaw in the Hebrew word. I took a year of Hebrew in college and it's still Greek to me. And I, I, I really tried. I gave it my try. That reading right to left stuff is rough stuff, folks. It's a burden. It's a burden placed on us and on our shoulders by the hands of the Lord. For the work of the seer is to recognize something, to have the foresight, the, the insight, the wisdom to say something is on the horizon. I sense it more than I see it. The Talmud says that in Solomon's temple, uh, they watched the fires at the brazen altar. They watched the fire at the, uh, uh, the golden candlestick and the golden altar of incense. Uh, but then they watched the fourth fire that the young priests were assigned to stand in the tower of what they called the tower of the spark and they stood there all night long on their eye with their eyes on the eastern sky waiting for what they called the first spark of dawn where the morning sacrifice would be called for. I believe God is raising up a generation that is not looking for problems and dilemmas. I'm sick of talking heads. I'm sick of negative headlines. I'm sick of what's happening out there affecting how we view things in here. I want to get my eyes on tomorrow and say there is something coming and it will blow your mind. You do know that it's the motif. It's the divine uh, modus operandi. That it, it was revealed at Cana of Galilee that he saves the best for last. I told you, I'm just flowing right now. He saves the best for last. Uh, yes, the best wine. And that was the first miracle, the first miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's just something about God. We used to sing it like this. It gets richer and sweeter and deeper as the days go by. But it just tells me uh, that the latter rain is going to be great than the former rain. The latter house is going to be greater than the former house. Can I say the latter you is going to be better than the former you? You've not seen your best days yet. You have not seen God unfurl his majesty. Quit thinking. Uh, I, I like what Brother Gleason said that I'm just a one and done. I'm a one hit wonder. No, quit thinking that way and say I've not preached my greatest sermon. I've not done the greatest deal. I've not mentored my greatest disciple. I've not seen the greatest harvest. I've not seen the greatest revival. I've not seen the greatest ROI. The Lord is doing this because why? It's his character. It's his nature. He gets better as the days go by. The Lord is looking for somebody to say, I see it. I see that. How do you see? 
How do you see it? Our age accelerates. We are living in the accelerating age. I remember, I remember as a kid in school back during the Jurassic era, we always loved film day. Can I say that? Is that all right to say that? We always loved film day because it meant our boring teachers weren't going to be teaching. And back then they had a Bell and Howell projector th system. It was on wheels. It was incredible. We used to love to put pencils through the screen because it was a rubbery kind of. Anyway, anyway, that's just a, another story. And uh, but I'll, I'll never forget the our, our, our teacher said, "You really kids, you really need to see this." I don't know how they got by with it, but they showed us Alvin Toffler's work, Future Shock, and uh, his glimpse of the future proved prescient. Yesterday's future now is today's reality. We're not in the information age. We're in the, not even in the disinformation age. We're in the over-information age. In a single second, more information is generated than you and I can absorb in an entire lifetime. Do you know that 10,000 books are added each day to the Library of Congress in the United States? You've heard the stats ad nauseum. But they're good to point out that information in our world doubles about every 72 days. More than 2,000 new websites go online each day. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, updated posts, websites, technology accelerating at an exponential rate. We are living in the age of acceleration, as Thomas Friedman writes, or as Pope Francis said, it's rapidification. That everything is getting so rapid. It's changing so fast. We no longer live in the modern or postmodern age. The word uh, modern comes from the word moto, meaning just now. We, we, are, uh, we are living more in the world of moto, which means in Latin, in motion. This is the motern world, not the modern world. Everything is moving. Everything is changing. This is our age prompting an information overload and an exacting toll on the human spirit. I believe too much information can be dangerous. Every Sunday morning before church starts, Apple informs me of my screen time for the week. <sighs> yeah, it's depressing, folks. It's depressing. I'm, I'm trying to lower that screen time. I'm just trying to lower it. Uh, because you know what? In the absence of the world's information, I believe too much information is dangerous. I, I, I believe we confuse facts with truth. Well, it's a fact. This is a fact. This is a fact. This is a fact. You can line up all of your facts, but sometimes the facts are not the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Get your eyes on Jesus. Start looking unto him, the author and the finisher of your faith. Let go of the hard science of it all and the diagramming and the flow charts and the sequencing of it all and say, I'm just going to get lost in a vision of what God is doing in my age, in this accelerating age. Carl Rahner said it years ago that the Christian of the future will be a mystic or he will not exist at all. And by mystic, what he meant was not mystical. What he meant was experiential rather than theoretical. That you better get something. 
You better know that you know that you know. You better be fully persuaded. You better be able to say, I remember the day and I remember the hour that God got a hold of my life. And it means more than anything else that this world is saying and all of these people are saying. It was Leonard Sweet that argues that our age is calling for us to move from products to platforms and from tangibles to intangibles. And he uses as an argument for this that the largest cab service owns no vehicle, Uber. The largest hotel chain owns no hotel, Airbnb. The largest retailer owns no inventory, Alibaba. The largest social media outlet generates no content, Facebook. The largest app store develops almost no apps itself, but platforms, 2.2 million apps developed by others, Apple. In other words, we move from producing things to just being platforms. We move from the tangibles to the intangibles. We've, it's created the so-called gig economy, the subscription economy, and it affects every profit, every nonprofit, every church, every individual, every family. In this age, the problem is not just learning the new, it's unlearning the old. In times past, it was possible to learn a skill. Uh, they called a barrel maker a hooper. A hooper could be confident that barrels would be made as they've always been made. Smiths would be confident that their apprentices could forge and fashion copper and silver and gold the way they themselves have been taught. Bookkeepers could be confident that debits would always equal credits and ledgers would never lie. But those days are long gone. In the face of a digital universe and artificial intelligence and quantum computing and blockchain and nanosecond attention spans, we are in an age for which we feel so ill-prepared. What is a solution? I believe the solution is in your look. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and get it on the horizon. There's something good on its way. There's something approaching us. You and I have got to be able to answer the abiding questions that the, that the angel of the Lord asked of Hagar of old. Where have you come from and where are you going? I think it's just my opinion. I think the most important quality of leadership now is our ability to see our way into the future while remaining connected to the past and the present. For this age, our age, we need a sharpening vision for this accelerating age. We're like that watchman of old in Isaiah. A prophesied destructive empire arose. Dark destructive clouds obscured the horizon. People were concerned. They asked the watchman, what about all this? What, what do you see? What of the night? What of the night? And the watchman said, the morning comes and also the night. Never has there been a more apt description of our world. We live in an age of tremendous promise. We have every reason to be optimistic. You read of Johnny Appleseed that went through, uh, went through the upper Midwest sowing apple seeds and creating trees. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sower of hope seed. I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimist. I believe things are a lot better than what people say they are. I, and, uh, and yet, even in that, I see the looming difficulties I see the rising interest rates. I told you this morning I started selling real estate when I was 18 years old. I stopped selling real estate when I was 20 years old. And interest rates, I, I, I'll never forget, I called, I called someone, a client. Back then you didn't pre-approve and you, you got accepted for your offer, got accepted. And then you 
went and applied for a loan. And I'll, I'll never forget the day I called them and said, hey, I'm so, so excited to tell you I got you a pretty good interest rate, 16.2%. And I heard, my ears heard my mouth say that. And my brain said, you, you need to find another line of work. And, uh, and I did, I did, I did. We're living in, a, in, a, in an era eerily similar to that. Rising interest rates, inflation, supply chain. But the most difficult of them all is what Ray Bradbury said in his story. He called it the fifth horseman of the apocalypse. No, it's not war. It's not death. It's not famine. No, the fifth horse is despair. And it's loosed in our world today. There's a hopelessness. I hear people say, I've had it. Do you know what words I've grown to hate in the last two years? Here's the words. I'm done. I'm done. I've heard teenagers say it. Counseling offices in our city are lined. You can't get in there. I've heard pastors say it. Ken, I'm done. I've heard parents say it. I'm done. I've heard people walking away from, I'm done. I'm done. Despair is loose on our world today. I believe, I believe that a leader is someone who can say, I've been to the mountain. I see a future dawning. It's not always going to be this way. There's something better on the way. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in that right there. I, I, I'm not, this is not Pollyanna. This is not rose-colored glasses. This is saying, I rebuke that fifth horseman. I rebuke the despair and hopelessness that I see in a generation. I'm not going to go into a shutdown preservation mode. No, I'm not going to start canning. I, I'm not going to do it. I say there is a light coming. It's coming. It may be paradoxical. There is a darkness, but there is a light coming. I know we see through a glass darkly. I know there's no crystal ball, but when I get into my native mode, I get into a future mode and I start saying something is on its way and I can sense it. I got goosebumps on my goosebumps right now because I don't believe that this year is going to close before somebody in this room is going to see a dream realized before a prodigal comes home before some some aching yawning need in your business in your church is met that the provision comes I, I just believe I just I just hear, I just hear the well-oiled hinges uh, of the windows of heaven beginning to open right now. That he can pour out blessings. Uh, you've sacrificed, you've given. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. You've sacrificed, you've given, uh, you've given of yourself. Uh, and the Lord has seen it. And the Lord is going to reward it. Uh, he is faithful. I will always be in debt to God. God will never be in debt to me. Uh, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he don't need a one of them. He has all provision. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool and everything is already under his feet. So why don't you get it off your back and get it under your feet uh, and say, Lord, I am claiming dominion and authority over this right now. I'm saying, God, oh my, oh my. I'm saying that contract, 
threat is on its way. I'm saying uh, that that answer is coming your direction. I'm saying that God is going to do this, uh, that the Lord, oh my Oh my, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. That the Lord is going to pour out that promised blessing uh, on you. Uh, no, I'm not going to give you bullet points. No, I'm not going to give you steps uh, to a miracle. Uh, I'm not a teacher, Robert Frost said. I am an awakener. I want to awaken you. Uh, I want you to stir yourself. Uh, I want you to shake your shoulders. Uh, I want you to stir up the gift uh, on the inside of you. I want you to wipe the sleep uh, from your eyes. Uh, and let the cataracts of doubt fall from your eyes right now. And you say, God, you are doing something in my world. And I see it. If you believe it, I just wish you'd lift your hands and begin to shout yes in this house right now. I wish you'd begin to shout yes in this house. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Sir, you have not seen it yet. Ma'am, you've not seen it yet. Don't, don't despair. Don't cope when you should hope. Don't let despair get a hold of you. But you lift up your eyes and say, it's mine. It is mine. God, you promised it to me five years ago, ten years ago, Lord. Every promise in the book is mine. But God, I am sowing the seed of faith in my life. Boy, feel the Holy Ghost in this right here. Let me give you a scriptural justification for where I'm at right now in the spirit. The Holy Ghost has been dealing with me from the writings of Jeremiah, the calling of Jeremiah in the opening chapter. This man that said, Lord, I can't, you can't use me, God. You can't use me. I, I'm not, I'm, I can't do it, God. But his understanding deepened. God, God asked Jeremiah. He said, I need, to, I need to do a vision check. Don't you hate to go to the optometrist? Is it A or is it B? Do you see B or do you see C? C, C. Winans. Oh, I like her. Yeah. Yeah. All you got to do is yell squirrel and I'm going. I'll follow you. And uh, yeah. But the Lord said, if you're going to be my seer, I need to see I need to check your vision. How do you see? Jeremiah 1 verse 11 says, God asked Jeremiah, what seest thou? You already know that's not New Living Translation. What seest thou? And, and, and I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen. For I will hasten my word to perform it. Now, I want you to look at the word almond. That's the Hebrew word. Again, I took a year of Hebrew. It's shakad. And then I want you to look at the word hasten. It's spelled exactly the same, a little different vowel points. Shaked. That almond and hasten. Almond and hasten. Those two words go together. That God was saying, Jeremiah, your age and your season is going to be like the blossoming of an almond tree. And when... Because you've seen this, I'm going to hasten my word. I'm going to accelerate it. In other words, the world may be going fast, but God can go faster. God can get out ahead. You know, when you're on, um, I remember my first course in college was engineering calculus, 7 a.m. Monday morning. Showed up, 
The guy got up and said, let me tell you everything you should have learned in high school. He left everything I should have learned in high school in about 30 seconds. And I already purposed, I'm going to the registrar, I'm dropping this class, and I'm going back to elementary functions and starting over. But I thought, well, I'm already here, and I might as well listen to him. And he started getting lost in dimensions and math and science and physics, and, and uh, I got lost in that. After class, I went up to him and said, hey, professor, I said, you, 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 you said that time is, is the fourth dimension that we live in a three-dimensional world and time is the, is, is the plotting of where we're moving in that three-dimensional world. He said, that's great. I said, what if I was in more than one place at a time? He said, what's well, impossible? I said, but what if I was? He said, oh, you mean like God? I said, yeah, like God. What if I was everywhere at the same time? He said, then the fourth dimension means nothing to you. He said, it means that you're in today and you're in tomorrow. You're a thousand years from now. You're a thousand years in the past. You're, you're everywhere. So when he forgives you of your yesterday, don't you know the same God that is in your today is in your yesterday? And he can treat it like it never happened. He'll remember it. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in that. Why, do, why should I worry? Why should I be afraid? God's already in 2023. He's already in 2024. Why should I be concerned? We confuse ourselves. We, uh, this, this season, God can move faster than our season, faster than this world. We confuse ourselves. Somebody says, oh, I want to learn, I, I, I learn how God does things. And, and uh, can I tell you, God works in many ways. He uses preachers, teachers, evangelists, missionaries. He uses scientists. He uses entrepreneurs. He uses MBAs. He uses org leadership majors. He uses people of all sorts to work his will. Moses asked, God, if I found favor in your sight, let me know your ways. David prayed four times in the 25th Psalm, teach me your ways. Micah said in the last days, nations are going to come to the Lord with a request. Teach us your ways. This is hard for us to appreciate. We like a cookie cutter God. We like recipes. We like, well, God, you did it this way yesterday. You'll do it the same way today. There's more than one way for God. He moves in different ways. In Jeremiah, you read of an almond tree, but the man of sorrows on the Mount of Olives described another tree, and it shows another way of God. Jesus said that when you see the last days unfold, they're going to unfold like a fig tree. They're going to gradually put forth their leaves as in summer, indicating summer is nigh. That's one way God can work. Here's one way God works is incrementally. That's the fig tree. That good systems are a response to leadership. We understand the gradual nature of change. But in a season of acceleration, God can work another way. He can move swiftly. Jeremiah, how do you see? Do you see things unfolding gradually like a fig tree? Or do you see things unfolding explosively like an almond tree? In Israel and the United States, the almond tree is the first tree, the first deciduous tree to bloom. It's the first to say, hey, guys, winter's over. It will blossom suddenly, regardless of what the weather report says. It's a sudden shift of seasons. That Hebrew word for almond is shaked. It's derived from a word which means to wake and to watch. The almond tree then was the harbinger. It was the watcher 
for a new season. It would awaken first. And it would say, winter is over. That season has passed. Something just grips me about this. I consulted the prophet Google, and I came across many online searches, story after story of people walking out in the midst of winter when snow is falling, and almond trees had blossomed in the midst of a snowstorm. No warning, no outside evidence, no sign of it approaching. The almond tree just said, I've had enough of this. It's time for a new season, and we're going to do it now. The fig tree, God works incrementally, a lot. The almond tree, God works suddenly. Suddenly is not a word in Scripture. Suddenly is a doctrine in Scripture. Thirty times in the old, ten in the new, it's more than a word. It's a promise. It's a way of God. Isaiah said, I've declared the former things from the beginning. They went out forth out of my mouth. I showed them. I did them suddenly. And they came to pass. When Aaron and Moses rose up against, or Aaron and Miriam rose up against Moses, God spoke suddenly. When Hezekiah determined to sanctify the temple and restore divine order, it happened suddenly. Babylon fell suddenly. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God in Bethlehem's night skies. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Those who teach God has changed don't know God. They don't understand his ways. God will work incrementally most of the time until he decides to work suddenly. Jeremiah, can you see it? What do you see? I don't see a fig tree, God. I don't see an incremental moving of your spirit. I'm seeing an almond tree. I see a sudden change. And this is what the Holy Ghost has just impressed on me. As Brother Gleason said, we, we speak where we live. And this is where I'm living right now. I am living, laying hold on promises, saying there is an acceleration taking place. There is a hastening taking place. Everything inside of our natural man is saying it's time to hold back. It's time to step back. It's time to just sort of hunker down and, and just hold still. But the Spirit is saying, it's time to get out of your comfort zone. It's time to crawl out of the boat. It's time to step onto the waves of the impossible. There is a sudden explosion. You remember, you remember how it happened when the delegates from the 12 tribes of Israel laid their staffs before God in the house. For the tribe of Levi was Aaron's rod. Now, I've always heard the story of Aaron's rod that budded, and that's partly true. Listen to it in Scripture. Behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, brought forth buds. It bloomed blossoms, and it yielded almonds. Wow. In a 12-hour period, it went from buds to blossoms to almonds, what would normally take nine months, happened in 12 hours. And the Holy Ghost said, put that in the treasure chest. And don't you forget, when I decide to move, I can compress time. I can, oh boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. I can just 
pull it together. There is a divine hastening taking place right now. I don't believe it's by accident that our general conference closed with an emphasis on the five-fold ministry. I, I, I don't believe it's by accident because I believe that there is an acceleration starting to take place that we need the manifold offices all of the gifts and all of the callings and all of the ability. There is a fast forwarding take place right now. We live in a season of acceleration. There is an overlapping. There is a layering of one miracle. Do you know that passage that says the plowman is going to overtake the reaper? You know what the idea of that is? Is that the harvest is so grand that it will extend into the next planting season. Season. You won't have time to finish harvesting and threshing the grain before it's time to reap again. You say, Brother Gurley, that violates the law of the harvest. It does, but it does not violate the law of spoils. That's another way God works in scriptures, that the Lord will permit us to take back what the enemy has taken from us. And it's not going to come in a normal harvest period. It's going to come through a triumphing. We are living in the age of spoils for our trouble. Isaiah 61 3, God is going to give us double. What has been taken from us is going to be restored to us. The all of the all of the ills that were revealed in a two-year pandemic season. I'm not waiting for 10 years for that to be resolved. I am believing God's hand. There is a wind. I love what the, what happened in LA years ago. The smog was so deep. Uh, it just wouldn't move. The, the skies were so hazy. Uh, and one weather forecaster announced on the news that night, uh, it's not going to be a wind from the east, west, north, or south. To get rid of this smog, it's going to take a wind from elsewhere. Well, I want to tell you, there is a wind from elsewhere that is starting to stir. I hear the sounds of going in the top of the trees. I sense something on the horizon. The weeping that is endured for night is about to be gone. That God is about to restore something. That this is a gospel of an immediacy. The gospel of suddenly he is riding on a swift cloud and he is moving suddenly uh, the devils are going to leave suddenly that multitudes are coming suddenly uh, I, I just believe that uh, Paul on the Damascus road suddenly a light from heaven Simon Peter suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared uh, in midnight and in the prison at midnight in Caesarea suddenly there was a great earthquake and don't you ever forget Jesus is coming back suddenly and we will be changed suddenly in the moment in a twinkling of an eye and I just want to know church how do you see do you see things just rocking along as normal or is there something stirring inside of you saying I think I'm catching a glimpse of something on the horizon that there is there are unheard of uh, unprecedented things uh, taking place in our world uh, today I don't believe it's going to unfold like a fig tree it's coming like an almond tree. I want to tell you, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close. You've been waiting on miracles to happen. You've been waiting on ministry to unfold. You've been waiting on a clarity of vision 
You prayed and you travailed for answers. You, you, you've even gotten to the place you wonder, is it even possible? Has too much time passed me by? And you've gotten frustrated. You hear me carefully. You hear this next sentence. God is getting you ready for what he has ready for you. That everything you've been through is to prepare you for this very moment. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in that. It is coming toward you like a freight train. This old earth tilted on an invisible 23 and a half degree axis hurtling through space at 66,000 miles an hour. Spinning on that axis is over a thousand miles an hour. The sun is coming toward you at a thousand miles an hour right now. It may be night out there, but daylight's coming. A dawn is coming. A new day is coming. It's swifter than you can even imagine. I feel that. Let me close with this. Musicians come. Our, our vision is clarifying. Quit dwelling on the past. Your answer is not behind you. There's a reason your windshield is bigger than your rear view mirror. Start looking up ahead. And saying, God, you're doing this. You're doing this. You can't effectively lead anything if you are constantly checking your rearview mirror. But I remember I've been hurt. I, I, I've been disappointed. I've tried before, Brother Gurley. I, I, I cast caution to the wind back in 2012, and I, I really took a chance. I skated out on thin ice. And everything collapsed beneath me get your eyes on the horizon Clara Booth Luce said there are no hopeless situations there are only people who have grown hopeless about them don't lose hope lift up your eyes Ernie Max was a survivor of one of the death camps and gave a speech in Indy, Indiana not long ago he said the Germans wouldn't let us look up at the sky because if you looked up that gave you hope we were not supposed to have hope he said I saw people killed the only crime they looked up look up it's not a crime look up I feel the Holy Ghost right here. There are blessings on a thousand shelves in heaven right now that have your name on them. He wants to do more for you than you have the capacity to receive. You approach God with a thimble. And God wants to give you a cascade of promises. You just got to have hope that God is going to see me through. The forward look is the healing look. Look forward. I don't see gloom, doom, and despair. I see promises beyond your imagination getting ready to unfold. Oh, praise God. Would you just lean forward in your chair right now, right where you're at? Just lean forward in your chair. I want you to start repenting. Yeah, I said repenting. Start repenting of every doubt. Start repenting of every anxiety. 
Start repenting of every worry. Start repenting. Say, God, I doubted you. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. God, I leaned on the arm of the flesh and not the arm of the spirit. I leaned on my logical, rational mind, Lord, rather than getting lost in the waves, oh God, and the ocean of your fathomless love, Lord. How you care for me, God. How much you have for me, Lord. You have it for me right now, God. It's as if I see right now, hanging in this room, it's as if I see 30, 60, and 100 fold promises just suspended in this room right now, just waiting. Just waiting. It's like angels have come in with wheelbarrows loaded down with promises. Just waiting. Just waiting and asking, do you have the capacity? Do you have the capacity to believe? Can you see this for yourself? Can you see that God is good? How many of you right now in this room would say, Brother Gurley, I... I want to see myself beyond the shadows. I want to see myself beyond the fear and beyond the worry. I want to see, I want to be able to look into the mirror soon and see a hundred thousand watt smile on my face. I want to hear a future testimony coming out of my lips that, God, you saw me through. God, you made a way out of no way. Lord, you guided me. You, Lord. We started this last night with saying we believe in spiritual leadership. We believe that we're leaning not on the arm of the flesh, but on the arm of the Lord. Why don't we close it out tonight saying, God, you're going to make way. How many of you need a miracle? You're not embarrassed to say it. Would you just stand right now? You need a miracle. And as you stand, stay in motion right now. I want you to say bid adieu to those chairs right now. I want you to get closer. Get down here in the splash zone right now. Come down into the mosh pit right now and say, Holy Ghost, I am here. I've been looking at this all wrong, God. I've been thinking if I plan carefully, maybe in 2027, 2028, if you tarry, you're coming. But God, if we're in an almond tree hastening, if we're in an explosion of time, God, I believe that what I put off into the distant future, you can bring forward. Keep stepping forward. Make room for those coming behind you. Just keep stepping forward. I feel the Holy Ghost right now in this room. How many would just lift up your, oh, oh my, I feel the Holy Ghost. Get your chin up. Get your chin up. Get your eyes looking beyond the ceiling tile right now into a starry heaven right now. Say, God, you've got this for me, Lord. I'm one of your kids, Lord. I'm one of your kids. You're going to provide for me. You're going to provide for my family. You're going to provide for my children church, my ministry, Lord. Uh, you're going to provide, God, for that dream that I have. Uh, the resources are going to be there. That's it. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Your ears need to hear your mouth uh, beginning to proclaim the promises of God. Uh, your ears uh, need to hear you say it. Uh, oh, God, I believe. I believe before December 31 gets here, God, uh, that you're going to answer this, Lord. Lord, uh, that there is going to be bread. 
that I cast on the waters. And after many days, you brought it back, Lord. You brought it back. Oh, God, you're going to give me my 30-fold. You're going to give me the 60-fold and the 100-fold, Lord. You're going to make a way, oh, God. You're going to make a way, oh, Lord. I believe it right now. That's it. Just go ahead. Get lost in the Holy Ghost just a moment right now and say, I'm going to lay aside the rational and the logical, Lord. I'm going to lay aside the sequential and the incremental, Lord. And I'm going to get lost in the hastening that is taking place right now, God. You're fast-forwarding my future, oh God. You're holding it in your hand, God. You're moving. You're moving into Sunday. You're moving into next Sunday. You're moving through December right now, God. And you're leaving behind blessings for me to discover as the days unfold, Lord. You're doing this, God. That's it, despair. You've got to go. Hopelessness, you've got to go. Sarcasm, cynicism, you've got to go. Doubt, worry, anxiety, phobia in all of your thousand forms. You've got to go because the Lord, the God of all hope, is showing up on the scene. And the God of all hope is doing something powerful in our midst right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. That's it. Stir it up, sir. Stir it up. Stir up that gift. Resurrect those dreams. I believe it, oh Lord. I believe it, oh God. I believe it in this house right now. Holy Ghost move. Holy Ghost move. That's it. Let's go ahead and have an altar service right now. Let's go ahead and declare the victory.